Hi. 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 Hello. Hello. Welcome to the Two Marketeers. Where marketing just got more interesting. Or did it? <laughs> you be the, no, we'll be the judge. <laughs> yes. Welcome. That's Lindsay Waugh, and this is Sean Patrick. Welcome. How are you today? I'm good. All right. Let's go. Let's go. What are we going to talk about today, Lindsay? What's going on with this human semper? Human semper. <laughs> What's going on with this human centered experience today? Human centered design. Is it a thing? Is it trendy? Yeah. Is it a new thing? It's not. It's not really. a new thing, but it's weird how it's so trendy. Yeah. Humans are getting a lot of attention these days. <laughs> Thank you for that scientific observation. Mm -hmm. Yeah, write that down. Tweet that later. Yeah, human-centered design. Uh, something I've been familiar with for quite a long time. I still do a lot of user experience design. UX has definitely been the, the hot term. But more and more, uh, especially in the work Lindsay and I have been doing for clients, it's become a lot more mainstream and before it becomes too buzzy, <laughs> before every place says that they're human-centered. Um, mm -hmm. I wanted to talk about human-centered design actually is absolutely what both of us probably love to do most. It's just not called, for example, human-centered design. So we'll talk a bit more about that. Mm -hmm. I think I've just realized that. <laughs> I think it's our design. <laughs> we take a moment. I think it's our design thinking and that process because yeah, we both have both have been schooled in design degrees and design educations um, that it's that process of design thinking and how that's unique that really brings us together to do projects in an interesting way. Where how we market ourselves is not design based. Mm -hmm. um, so that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. So people know Lindsay was a fashion student. <laughs> Yes. And I was a graphic designer. So with that, what's interesting is in most of the cases now, it doesn't apply from truly, I would say, an interactive point of view. It applies in multiple ways, um, whether that's uh, like operational, like how companies or businesses are structured, whether that's strategic, whether that's uh, technology, of course, which is where I know it best, but also societal. Uh, it's really coming into play. So something came through and it was an article from uh, BCG, Boston Consulting Group. Mm -hmm. And it was called Human-Centered Design is More Important Than Ever. What was, I mean, it caught my eye. And what was really interesting about it is that's the thing Lindsay and I look for is terms or topics that have been around for a while that are finally being adopted. Mm -hmm. And, and being adopted in very practical ways and very timely ways and doing that before they become a buzzword so that everyone says they're human-centered design approach, right? Right. Because they say it's where you think about the customer and you put the customer first and it's all about that. It's actually not. It's bigger than that. Globally, yeah. as it relates to societies, economies, policies. Um, and I read the article and it was really interesting. And it, you know, it spoke about how COVID has changed behaviors so drastically, so quickly. Yeah. Um, how do we adapt? And with so much of that behavior moving to digital because of our 
restrictions and everything that COVID has brought or any pandemic will bring, what do we do moving forward? We need to think of new ways to do it. We need to reimagine, we need to rethink how we do it. Uh, that's a big aha moment for me to say, perhaps this is a way of thinking that will help guide us there. Yeah, I think it's been such a eye-opening experience, the pandemic, and I can't wait until I never say that again. Uh, that <laughs> every episode is like, since the pandemic, I cannot wait until that's not a thing anymore. But I think it was just so glaringly obvious, the gap between how people behave and the technology at the beginning of the pandemic, because it was very much like, sure, you okay, you can't get groceries, you can't go to the grocery store. So here's an app. So log into the app and get your groceries. And people are like, this experience is garbage. Like all of these tech experiences didn't have to be leveled up pre-pandemic because they weren't essential. They weren't required. And once people started using what was there, what was available to them before we started to change the experience, it was just very disappointing to say it was a very transactional experience. It was all tech-based. And I think people have now realized that we need to bring the human focus back to those experiences, right? So it's more figuring out the technology in name of servicing the human experience versus a human just adapting to the technology that's available. Yeah, it feels like that's, we, we keep having to be reminded, you know, in the last few decades, especially that they need to adapt. You need to allow for that adapt time and learn as you go. Um, we just look back at, you know, technologies that have succeeded and we look at them as overnight successes. Um, that's really not what this is about. That's not what success is. Overnight successes can often become, you know, one hit wonders. And if it's not adopted, if, if you're forcing the user or the human to adapt to your technology, you're going about it the wrong way. I mean, that was the way technology was as we knew it, right? Mm -hmm. That's gone. And post COVID, if your technology does not service my needs, I'm very unforgiving. Yeah. Not just me. I think that's what people realize too. And it goes all back to the way that businesses think about success and results. Like in the very beginning of these kind of forced digital experiences at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like, how do we get people to click on the lettuce? And then how do we get them to click on the checkout button? And then how does the checkout button get someone to pick it up for them? And then how does that person deliver that product? And then there was a huge shift, I think, that took place to say, like, it's not about getting someone to click on the lettuce. It's like, how do we support them during a time when they need brands to step up and be there for them along their journey because there are so many different things happening. It's not around like, I just need to get food. It's like, I'm feeling insecure. I'm feeling like I can't get what I need. I'm feeling trapped in my house. I'm feeling all of these different emotions. And so I think there's been a shift now to the way people think about marketing and brands to say, how do you support them with a variety of emotions that they're experiencing and help facilitate the services that you provide in relation to that emotional experience versus just helping someone get the lettuce to their doorstep. <laughs> Be the lettuce is what Lindsay is saying. It's not at all what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was great. Thank you, Lindsay, for once again, summing it up in the first three minutes. But that's, that's why, right? People are now realizing that the tech is not servicing them in the way that they're living their human life. They need their human life to be thought of first so that brands can be there to support properly. Yeah, we're trying to figure out 
the best way to put forward any of our topics is to really identify the problem. And I think to Lindsay's point, she talked about forced. Mm -hmm. Don't think it's an advantage or an a benefit, a benefit that you are producing a technology or launching a technology that forces behaviors because that's what that's what has to happen. Um, we need them as a business to click on the lettuce and click on the checkout. That was the way it was, right? Mm -hmm. A lot has evolved where the use of digital is now mainstay as well. Expectations are higher than ever. Mm -hmm. um, saying digital is almost, what does that even mean? A lot of uh people are saying out there is it's a hybrid experience is how where we've landed so far because if someone said when you shop do you shop curbside do you shop online delivery do you shop in store my answer is yes mm -hmm. and the reason why it's not tech first anymore is that technology can be replicated like businesses need to figure out the value that they have beyond things that can be replicated like support, community, emotional connection, security, especially when people are feeling insecure, unsecure, those things, that connection, that emotional experience between a brand and a consumer is something that is not easily replicated. But technology is the first thing to be easily replicated, right? It's the functional benefit versus that emotional benefit. So if every tech platform could flick on a switch tomorrow and do the same thing that Uber Eats does and do the same thing that... PC delivery does and all the, and yeah, and all the different things. It's no longer about the tech experience because it's so easily replicated. It's more about the emotional benefit you provide. Something that is replicable from an innovation standpoint or not means that it's at the lowest of the value chain, right? Exactly. Because from a competitive advantage, you have basically none. Mm -hmm. Okay. Human-centered design. Okay. So... I wanted to pull a few things uh, from the article specifically from B uh, Boston Consulting Group. I wanted to pull out uh, when their headline is human-centered design is more important than ever before. It says, this raises a crucial question for designers. How do you innovate rapidly and in the right ways when behaviors and expectations are changing so much and so fast, right? So really mm -hmm. the challenge right now is unprecedented in my career is new behaviors and expectations when Lindsay and I used to actually have to present a point in time of behaviors and expectations. This is what the mm -hmm. consumer does. This is what research shows us. They have been doing this and you could literally use five to 10 years to say, this is how people use e-commerce and it, it didn't fluctuate yeah. too much. Um, right. Can't happen anymore. Just on that sentence, so in the in the reading that I was doing, they start the sentence sentences like that always start with designers, but now everything I'm reading starts with designers, marketers, strategists, storytellers. Read the rest of that sentence. So, like, do that. Exactly. Read the rest of that sentence with all of those people in mind. Yes. What was it? How do you innovate rapidly? Yeah, it's not just a design problem anymore, right? No. Well, it's that or it is a design problem. The thing is, is it's not only designers who design. Well, now it's like strategists are experienced designers. Marketers are experienced designers. I guess that's it. Maybe it's not just a product design way of working. Now this is a experienced design, which is kind of how marketing is shifting. 
Yeah, and it, it it leads into the idea of human-centered design is now become synonymous with it's the same kind of school of thought, which is design thinking. Right. But it's it's great Love to say it. this is not exclusive to designers, but the design process is probably closest linked to how you have to think. It's just that a designer would it would manifest in how a product is designed it's usability mm -hmm. it's acceptance mm -hmm. it's adoption it's pricing it's value um so to say we are all capable of design it is not what's manifested specifically as visual or you know that sort of thing it is mm -hmm. about the outcome of your design thinking could be a framework it could be uh, a positioning it could be a philosophy mm -hmm. right this is kind of what we do. Wow. <laughs> so quick little history thing. 1958 is the first sort of official occurrence of the term human-centered design. Um, and it was in creating wow. a new program. It was a new program at Stanford. Um, and the professor, John E. Arnold, proposed this crazy idea that engineering design should be human-centered. Since then, it's evolved heavily in creative practices, as you talked about, um, and has become a real important business practice for more what I would say more evolved and more innovative businesses. So it's a it's a mm -hmm. truly a discipline of thinking um, says here in an approach to problem solving this is from Wikipedia, human centered design is commonly used in design, management and engineering frameworks that develops solutions to problems by involving the human perspective in all steps of the problem solving process, mm -hmm. all steps. I would say that like the big shift is that you've taken the human from the end of the transaction, which is where they used to be, and you put them at the beginning. Hence, that's the only way they can be involved at every stage of it. This isn't about documenting it. This is the big difference because I come from user experience. You'd have people come in, they test it, you document it, and then you'd make whatever changes. Mm -hmm. It is not about documenting it. It is about iterating based on it. Well, that's what design thinking is, right? Test, iteration, iteration, iteration. Yes. This is why I thought you would love what I'm about to talk about. It is a mindset is what they say. It's not a process per se. It's how you approach it. And I mm -hmm. have this list. Uh, I'll make it short. I found this wonderful, wonderful, uh, I'll say article or post at um, a website called innovationtraining.org. And what it is essentially is, it's called the Design Thinking Mindsets for Human-Centered Design. It's a combination of IDEO, which is a global design and innovation company, uh, PDMA, which is the Product Development and Management Association, and Stanford D School, the aforementioned Jeez. design school of Stanford. All the big dogs. It's this wonderful short thing. And they talk about design thinking, the incredibly popular approach to innovation. I wish it was more popular. Requires a certain type of mindset. Mm -hmm. People who want to innovate their work and create better experience, products and services. So there's the point. It's not just products, right? Better mm -hmm. experiences, products and services for their users or customers might benefit from applying certain attitudes yeah that can empower their thinking creativity so they talk about attitudes they don't talk about steps in the process these are not linear they are not like you have to have all these things it's 
If it is a way of thinking, this is the attitude you have to bring to it. So it is absolutely what Lindsay loves to say when she talks about mindset is you truly have to believe and feel that way. It's an emotional way of thinking. Mm -hmm. So they provide seven. I'm just going to, I'm not going to explain each one because I picked three that I think might not be the obvious three, but they're the three I feel people might not embrace as quickly or realize it's a thing. So you have learn from failure. I'm not going to go into that. Fail fast. And failure is the best way to learn. Uh, make it. It's one of my three. Make it. Next is creative confidence. Next is empathy. Optimism. Embrace ambiguity. That's going to be my number one. Just so you know. Like our whole lives. And then the last but not least, iterate, 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 which was what Lindsay has already given away. See? There you go. Wow. Think on those. We'll provide the link. I just want to quickly touch on the three that I think I've learned the most about and have had to adopt and kind of identify with. Number one is make it. And it's also an observation of where I've seen mistakes made by clients or in the industry uh, and learning from them. So the whole idea is design thinking is about experimenting with prototypes. And I think that's a big skipped step in my experience with a lot of smaller startups and helping them identify their brand and that sort of thing. I worked with some for months before even knowing it didn't even exist yet. It's the majority. Yeah, I was on that call. (laughs) So uh, make an idea real in order to understand it and think through the problem. Yeah. Right. Got it. Whether it's a, whether it's a piece of cardboard with scissors or it's a, a highly uh, stylized digital mock-up, start with something. Mm-hmm. So everyone is working from the same concept. Next is creative confidence. And this is a big one because it's something that I actually don't struggle with. And I, I'm sorry if I sound arrogant, but I've, I've been a creative for so long. That is where my confidence lies most. It's my process where I always you know, continue to improve and struggle. This mindset, creative uh, confidence, is about approaching the world like a designer, hence the point, right? Mm -hmm. You don't have to be a designer, think like a designer. And how does a designer think? It's understanding that you have creative ideas and the power to turn those ideas into a reality. So many people don't realize that there can be an outcome that is not that is a way of thinking, or like Lindsay said, a framework. We are all capable of designing. Okay. And last but not least, embrace ambiguity. And this one is a design thinking designers start from not knowing the answer to the problem. And that's where I went, aha. That's what strategy is. <laughs> when I was a designer, you're literally given a blank page. And people value it by what you've put on that page versus the thinking that got you to what goes on that page. Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to maintain value, demonstrate value when the world wants to see an answer to their problem. They want to see how you will solve it. Mm -hmm. And that is why strategy creative at its highest value are becoming an overused or have become an overused word and are becoming commoditized 
Because if you won't, if you, ref, I think Mike Sutton comes into play here very clearly with Zulu is you're devaluing it if you want to show them the solution to their problem before you know what you need to know in order to even identify the right way of thinking. Right. That's it for me. Okay, cool. Totally makes sense. So it's, it's awesome that you focused on those three. Am I, can I share? You sure can. Um, so on that kind of top three things, I found this really interesting article in ad week. So they were also talking about human centric design and experiences, and they say purposeful human centric experiences have three things in common. Mm. So this article kind of kicks off with great artists, storytellers, and designers have always known that human connections enable action and change. Marketers are just realizing this too, because they're becoming experience makers. Experience makers. So I think especially in this big shift to digital, right? It's a lot easier and more accessible to try and create these experiences, but people are struggling obviously to make them human centric. So they say now, instead of giving people something to buy, which would be the lettuce from earlier, um, they are offering them something to buy into and acknowledging that the human experience is more powerful than marketing and advertising. So marketers are just starting to learn how people and technology intertwine. So they say human-centered design enables you to clarify or reframe the real issue at hand. And it puts the human who traditionally has been at that endpoint of the transaction, like we spoke about earlier, first. So they're taking the human from that endpoint and putting it first. They say that the companies that pay attention to design and the way consumers interact with their products and services earn loyalty and see their respect for human needs reflected in the bottom line. So I think that's where a lot of marketers are starting to open their eyes to say, if we do move beyond this transactional experience and start to create those connections through human-centered design, um, we're actually seeing a huge impact on our, our revenue, our results, and the way our businesses and our brands are performing. Mm. This human-centered approach is a dramatic shift, and in the process of putting the human at the center, marketers are realizing something incredible. What? This technocratic age is over, and the radical advancement in the application of design to the creation of digital experiences is beginning to show. So... Today, strategists, designers, artists, and technologists are combining art and design to develop experiences that have three things in common. So the first, which is uh, clear, is personal connection. Uh, these are experiences that are deeply relevant, curated, and anticipatory. The connection is made through personalized art and design, whether it's in story, visual reference, or how an experience or product feels. The second one, which I think we've spoken a lot about, authenticity. So whether or not an experience is perceived as enjoyable is often based on the context in which the consumer experiences it. Any moment in time can feel arduous or wonderful, depending on how you feel about what you're doing and what else is going on in your life. So they say, like, consider the next time you purchase or you're online and you want to make a purchase. It can be a welcome retreat from the everyday routine or it can be a distraction from other activities that need your attention. The magic happens if the experience still connects in a personal way. Personal, personal, personal. I'm hearing, I'm hearing that a lot. Mm -hmm. And the last part of it is elevating humans to action or a new understanding. So I think I've been talking about this a lot 
elevating with projects and with clients lately is like, how do we elevate out of that tech, digital advertising, marketing experience? We were joking about this quote earlier this week, that quote from Mark Schaefer that just says like, stop doing shit that people don't want to see or don't want to, you know? Yeah. Like, do people want to be interrupted on their phone when they're on TikTok and trying to learn this new dance move and they see this ad take over? Like, do they want that? Or like, what is the value that you're providing in that moment? What is the value? Yeah. So they say, putting these two together means that you know enough and understand enough about the customer experience to see it for what it truly is. It's a human experience. Marketers have the ability to design authentic, compelling connections to people's lives and make the impact positive and human. So the challenge and the responsibility is really this underlying truth that will keep the principles of human-centered design at the forefront of the marketer's agenda, which is really, I think, progressive marketers are starting to put these human-centric experiences or become or consider themselves even experienced designers and uh, put that at the forefront of their initiatives. Wow, that's a lot as usual. Um, okay, a couple things that I think are really key in what you said. And you've mentioned this, like you've used this term a couple time, times, technocratic society. We have a technocratic mindset. Mm-hmm. And correct me if I'm wrong, but basically saying technology is a huge influence and we believe that technology fixes problems. Is that not we believe, but society believes? A technocratic society believes. Okay. I'm like, but we don't believe. <laughs> I'm talking as a member of a society, even I will fall into that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can totally relate to, yeah, sometimes I just think I just need the right technology. Um, it is the societal shift that says we need to wake up and realize that the focus should not be on the technology as the solution. Technology has a role to play, but we really need to shift that thinking that has become the norm over the last many decades. Yeah, I think the shift is to how technology um, supports the human experience to help people achieve their goals and what they're trying to do, whether it's buying lettuce or something higher, higher value, higher level than that. But that's what it is. It's really like, how do we use these tech platforms and solutions to help people solve problems and to support them? And another thing you said, which you've said before, is that elevating the human experience. Yeah. You need to put that on your wall. It's my new favorite thing. Right? Elevating the human experience is what technology should do. Mm-hmm. And, and that is the first thing you have to do in order to, to understand or even conceive that that is a thing is to stop thinking in a technocratic way. We all tend to think in technocratic ways. That's why there are problems. And when it comes to solving those problems, we have to completely shift our thinking to be one of the problem is not technology based. The problem is human based. And before I decide technology will fix it, we really need to explore and understand what that human wants, needs, and feels and believes in. So this requires another episode on empathy, empathy mapping, journey mapping, all the mm. mapping. <laughs> mapping. So we'll, we'll, definitely, we'll definitely get into every map uh, in, in, in another episode after this, because this, yeah, we could go on about this conversation forever. But I guess that's why Lindsay's so busy. It's a really tough process. I don't know how she does it, but journey mapping is a really, really 
important thing. And it's because it has evolved a lot since it first become, became a term. But from my observation, it really is the best process that goes deep into feeling and emotion and not mm -hmm. necessarily uh, demographic and psychographic. It really looks at the human and what humans, no matter what their age is or anything like that, what's the common feeling? What's the common challenge? What's the common fear? And I think that needs to happen mostly at a brand level because it's a brand that makes those emotional connections versus the product. Yeah. And I think, I think a lot of people do think that they're putting their, like no brand's going to say, we don't put our customer first. Like nobody's going to say that. And I think a lot of, uh, especially in the practice of journey mapping and things like that, a lot of people will do that type of practice to say, yeah, what are people center. doing? What are they thinking? What are they thinking? What are they doing? Google ad, like that's kind of what happened, but what goes on, what I think the deeper layer is and what we really focus on a lot in the work we do together is like how there's always the, how do we support them in this? phase of their journey. So we ask that at each phase to say, how are we along for the ride with them, walking alongside them throughout their journey? Not just saying, oh, they're thinking and feeling doing this. And then the Google ad, it's kind of, it's rethinking as well, the depth you need to get into from a mindset perspective at each phase. Yeah. Wow. There's just, we've wrapped up everything from every episode we've ever done. Uh, so parting Enough words for today, parting <laughs> words, if you believe you're customer centric and you take that approach, but the purpose of being customer centric is to sell more product, then I think you need to question the difference between customer centered and human centered. And I highly recommend it. Lindsay? More to come. So much more to come. <laughs> Here we go. Lindsay, thank you so much. Thank you. This is great. I love this topic and we'll definitely keep diving in. So we'll talk to you soon. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. New episodes launch every two weeks. So be sure to subscribe to the Two Marketeers podcast wherever you like to listen. Or go to the twomarketeers.ca and connect with us. That's the twomarketeers.ca. Spell it out. We are everywhere. Podcast. This podcast is over. over.